Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. discuss and go from there, and then we'll kind of go into the second half. Does anybody want to read oh, maybe 1 through 10, and then somebody else can pick up from there? I can do it. Go for it. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Awesome. Somebody want to pick up from 11 and go through 21? Sure. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Awesome. There's a lot there. A lot happened. Um, and Jesus, and, and almost all of that is Jesus speaking. Uh, so what do you guys see? 
observations, comments, questions, concerns? What do you guys notice? Um, I really like that last phrase, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I feel like that's a really good way to just say, like, no, to point out that, like, demons and things of this world are all merely distractions. Everything else is what we should be seeking. Everything's not of this world. Yeah. Good. What else? I like that it, um, points out that the true sheep, like, the true followers of Jesus know the difference between the things that come from God and the things that come from other sources, like the devil or other worldly things. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that it, it specifically says that he calls out the sheep by name, um, just showing how personal the relationship just between a shepherd and a sheep really is. Um, That's yeah. good. Good observation. What else? You know, I think also... Um, you know, like we can hear each other's voice. Like if somebody was behind the wall and, you know, if, if I hear a voice, I can tell the difference between if it's Yana or Jackie or Caitlin or McCabe. I can tell the difference between because I know the person. Um, but if it's just a random person from the street that I don't know and I see a bunch of people and I hear one voice, I'm not going to be able to point out who it was because I don't know them. Uh, but the more time you get to know somebody... You know, I might, I might, you know, it might be a new person who walks in here, and, you know, we're talking for a little bit, and then if they're the person behind the wall, I might be like, you know, I, I think I've heard that voice before, I can't quite pin it, but I think it might be this person. But if it's Yana, I'm going to be able to point out her voice and pick that out distinguishly between any other voice out there, or, you know, like, any of you guys, I can pick out your voice because I know you, or at least on some level, um, and I'd be able to pick out your voice, just like the sheep can hear, can tell the difference between their shepherd calling them, which I think is crazy, that a sheep, which needs help doing everything. They need to be guided to water. They need to be guided to food. You know, they don't really do a whole lot on their own, um, yet they know the difference between their shepherd and somebody else. And the fact that the shepherd knows each sheep by name, because to me, I can look at a flock of sheep or even two sheep, and I wouldn't be able to tell them apart um, unless it was, you know, numbered, like the Serta sheep, the sheep jumping over the mattresses when you're counting them, like, you know, unless it has number one, two, three on it, I'm not going to be able to tell them apart because um, they're not my sheep. But for the shepherd, he knows them all, not just can point them out, like, oh yeah, that's the one with the, uh, the bad leg, or that's the one with that little black spot on its head. It's like, no, this is my sheep, Joshua, this is my sheep. You know, Adam, whatever, um, whatever you name sheep. I don't know what you name sheep. Sean, Sean the sheep. Um, but uh, you know, just like God knows each one of us well, and you know, He knows each one of us by name, and it's that personal relationship that. Um, and that's what He's saying. I am the good shepherd. Jesus talking of Himself here. What other observations? I've got a couple of things. Go for it. Um, I don't think that I ever picked up on it before. I think we focus a lot on the shepherd portion of this, but even in the verses before, he not only says that he's the shepherd, but 
he's the gate. Mm-hmm. The one who enters through the gate is the is the shepherd of the sheep. Mm. There and he's he's both. So the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And then later, when he's explaining, he says, "I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep." He doesn't call him the sh- he doesn't call himself the shepherd at that point. All who came before me, false prophets, all you know, all those people. They were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. So he declares he's the gate first. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And it's in that section where he talks about being the gate where he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So for me, being the gate means he's ushering in this rich and satisfying life. That's what it means to follow him, is to be able to obtain what that looks like, is because he's opening up the the way for that. Not as the shepherd, but as the gate. He's literally serving as the doorway into a rich and satisfying life. Versus what the purpose of the devil is, which is to steal, kill, and destroy, right? To take away from us, whereas he ushers us into something that is abundant. Um, And then he talks about, then he goes into, I am the good shepherd. So he's not only the way in, but he is the lead, Mm. the leader of the sheep, right? And so the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. It's It's not a leader that is high and mighty and the way that we might think about a king, although he is all those things as well, but he, the act of him being the shepherd is one of servitude. It's in service to us. It's sacrificial. It's not heavy-handed, right? So the hired hand runs away because he's working only for money. People only pursuing you know, their own selfish ambition or their own gain, those aren't the people that we want to follow. Even Christian leaders that might portray other ambitions, right? The the point of the good shepherd is to be a, in sacrifice to the sheep. Um, you know, laying down his life, caring for them day after day. Like, that's what he does for us. And so, it's, it is just really beautiful. Like, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me. So we again see the relationship between God the Father and Jesus all in the same triangle, right? Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I know my sheep. So if you know Jesus, you know God, which is like, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I know Jesus, but like, no, you you know God too. And I think we just gloss over that so much. Like, you know the God of the universe. Jesus is your best friend, but you also have access to the God of the universe. Like, how crazy is that? And they're one in the same, so... I don't know. It's just super, super interesting. But, yeah. And then, piggybacking off of what Rachel said, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Reminds me of the verse, I think it was also in John, that we read that talks about, if nothing else, just believe me for what I've done. And so it's like, look at what he's done. He's opened the eyes of the blind. He's healed people. He's you know, free people from this, that, and the other, like, open your eyes to what he's done and just believe, and if you do that, all of the other stuff follows, like, you have a rich and satisfying life, you have access to it, you have access to him as the father, like, 
Yeah. Okay, I'm done. That's awesome. That's no, really good. Uh, does anybody know what a sheepfold looks like? Anybody seen one? What is a sheepfold? That's a sheepfold. Or mm. a rendering of a sheepfold. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nothing fancy. It's not a. It's not a shelter. It's not a tower. It's not a building. It's just a little, a place to keep the sheep in. And there's oops. There's that. And there's a door. There's a gate, right? So Jesus is saying, he's the shepherd. But first he was saying he's the gate. He's the way in. He is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But he's also saying I'm the good shepherd. He's the one who stands at the door. You know, he's the one laying down his own life for others. He's the one staying there to, to protect his sheep. I think it, it paints a beautiful picture of, you know, what's more valuable, the sheep or the shepherd? The shepherd, but he humbles himself to keep himself awake so that during the night, you know, robbers and thieves don't come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's staying there, sacrificing himself at the gate, at the opening, to protect them. They say anybody who goes over the gate, who goes over the walls, they're the robbers, they're the thieves. He's saying, like, you know, you Pharisees and you false prophets and you other people who are claiming that there is another way. Mm-mm. That's not how this works. He's saying those are those are people those are the robbers. People who are like, Oh yeah, we got this way in. Oh no, we just need these good works and we we've got a way in. Um, or hey, just do this or hey, just follow that. Or anybody else who says that they are the Messiah, that they're the Savior, that's the person jumping over the wall. So what other shepherds do you guys know about in the Bible? David. David, yep. Who else? Anybody know of any other shepherds in the Bible? The ones the angels appeared to. Was yeah. When Jesus was a kid. Yeah. One of them rhymed with Abraham. Another rhymed with Isaac. Another rhymed with Hagab. <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were all shepherds. Moses was a shepherd at one point. Um, yeah, David. So God was also known as a shepherd in the Old Testament as well. Um, you know, shepherds all need, you know, they all need to be vigilant, fearless, and have patience and love for their flocks. Um, but um, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. Psalm seventy-seven twenty, you lead your people along that road like a flock of sheep, with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Psalm seventy-nine thirteen, then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and ever, praising your greatness from generation to generation. Psalm eighty verse one, please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock. Psalm ninety-five six through seven, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. So we see a lot, and there's there's more than that, but God is a pretty well-known shepherd of His people. Um, and He's, you know, as a, um, I guess, analogy, God is shepherding His people. But he is, he is the shepherd. He's a good shepherd. 
and he watches over his flock. He watches over us. You know, we're all his, his sheep. Verse 9, I think, is, is a, a cool, um, I don't know, maybe it, it, it kind of goes from the parable to real life application, I think, in verse 9. He's saying, yes, I'm the gate. You know, because up to this point, he's saying, like, you know, talking about the sheepfold, about those who go over, um, what the gatekeeper does, the sheep can hear his voice. You know, it's all kind of like, you know, analogies, all like a, a parable, talking about the sheep and, you know, um, uh, comparing that to who he is. But in verse 9, it becomes very practical. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. So that one point, those who come in through me will be saved. It becomes real. It becomes something that's now personal, personable, personal to them. Of not just, okay, you know, you're shepherding me, you're guiding me, you're helping me. It's, oh, I can be, I am saved through you. Not those who, you know, come over the wall will be saved. Not those who dig under and find their way and will be saved. Not those who find a loophole will be saved. Those who come in through me will be saved, period. Only those who come through me. thoughts anything else so far up to this point um i think verse 12 really sticks out to me like the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep he really just puts in his perspective here that like he says i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and then he goes to say the hired hand is not the good shepherd so i think that like in today's society really plays in the effect of like people putting a lot of trust into the world or the government around them or the laws around them that the world enforces and then when like something happens and they realize that like they're not taken care of in whatever circumstance that they need to be taken care of they're like oh, oh like the, the wolves are coming and my my good sheep is running down the hill to save his own life and I'm here to be eaten alive you know and so it's like a really good perspective of like who who are you following? Like, who is your hope set in? Is it the good shepherd who will lay his life down to save you because you are his sheep and he knows you by name and he cares about every detail of your life? Or is it the hired hand who, like, is being paid or whatever to take care of you and, like, you're just supposed to blindly trust in them and be like, oh, yeah, they said it's all going to be okay, so, like, it's going to be all good. Mm -hmm. I think that just really hits, like, probably even back then, but even today, just, like, government-wise and everything, a lot of people have faith in stuff that I don't think is very faithful or has shown faithfulness in the past. But, like, Jesus is faithful, and he is love, and he is the good shepherd, you know? That's good. That's, that's a good point. I was about to ask, you, you started, I think you, you mentioned a few things, but who else today, for you personally or as a society, who else could be considered the hired hand? The people who, when the wolves come, will run away because they're not actually concerned about the, the sheep. They're just there in, in it for the money. Or for something. My managers. Yeah. <laughs> she said the government. Yeah. Government. Hopefully not your pastors, but... That's what I was going to say. Is like there, there are definitely some pastors who could be described like that. Yeah. 
I'd say they're, I'd say as a society, that's probably some pastors, especially, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say for, for certain, but there are definitely some, you know, pastors of those mega churches where, you know, unfortunately some of them are in it for the money and it's a, a huge paycheck for them. And, you know, if, if one sheep of the hundred thousand that they have come to them and say, shepherd, I, I need this, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to personally lay down their life for them? Or are they going to say... That, that may look bad on our part. Hey, you know, I, I can't have you around me. I don't know. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, hard hands out there who don't actually care for us. Um, I think in the same way, you can kind of tell, you know, even like friends, you can kind of tell who's, you know, in that analogy, who's a shepherd of a friend and who's a higher hand of a friend where, you know, you, you know, sometimes you have friends who are, um, fake or people who, who are like, Oh yeah, you know, like let's do this or let, let me help you. But then like, there's just no follow through. They're not actually there for your best interest. But anyway, Jesus is saying that, you know, he's the good shepherd. He sacrifices his life for the sheep because that's what a shepherd does. And, you know, and we see also in the Bible that, He'll leave the 99 who are safe and secure in that sheepfold. Sheepfold? Is that the right word? I think so. I think so, too. It just sounds weird, but sheepfold. Um, he'll leave the 99 to find the one because the 99 are safe, the 99 are secure, the 99 know where they're at, and the shepherd knows where those 99 are at. But that one is lost. So he'll go and lay down his life. He'll go out searching to find that one mm -hmm. to bring it back and return yeah, that's what makes um, verse 16 stick out to me. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Mm. And so, like, just to remind me, like, no matter how far you are from him, the good shepherd, he's still very, very good, and he invites you all, um, no matter what you've done. So I just, it reminds me of he'll leave the secure ones, the ones who have been following for a while, just to get that one lost person. It also makes makes me think about um, like talking about bringing the gospel to like the Jew and the Gentile that like maybe God's original flock was like specifically the the people of Israel like in the time of the Old Testament but now that flock like Jesus is already thinking about the other people like for whom salvation was given like, beyond just God's like chosen people in the Old Testament. That's good. And I think, too, like, even if he leaves, it's not like he's gone forever, right? Like, he, he always returns. So leaving the 99, leaving the people who are secure in their faith that have been walking with him for a while, it's never that he's actually left you. You know, he's, he comes back each time. He might bring more, you know, he and that's the goal of it. He brings more um, always. But I, I think it's sometimes, like easy to feel like the prodigal son and the older brother, right? The older brother and the, and the younger brother. And it's like, well, why are you, you know, we can see non-believers come to Christ. It's like, wait, God, didn't you see everything that they just did? And as part of the 99, we can look at that and be prideful or be like, God, like, what do you mean you're going to do this, that, and the other for them? It's like, no, you should be happy that they are coming into the sheepfold with you. And I think it's all about that posture of the heart for the remaining. It's totally different tangent, but like, 
for those who stay in that sheepfold and are secure, we have to, like, I have to be careful not to become prideful because I've suddenly made it with God. Like, there's never a point in time where you reach a certain level of perfection in your relationship with the Lord, and he's never gone. So, like, that relationship has to be continually renewed. So, yeah, sorry, just... That's, that's fine. I've never, you know, whenever you hear like the parable of the nine or the like ninety nine sheep and he goes for the one, you always think of like, oh, I'm the one. He came for me. But like, what if you are the ninety nine? What like, yeah, he left you, but he's mm-hmm. gonna come back and he's gonna right. bring more. I've never thought about it in the perspective of being in the ninety nine of like maybe God's just silent right now, but maybe he's just getting more sheep to bring <laughs> to bring to me. <laughs> More friends. Yeah. More sheep friends. Bye. Bye. You're welcome. Go ahead. One thing that uh, stuck out to me with this uh, parable is it, um, in my opinion, it uh, relates to uh, the gift of discernment, how the sheep are able to know uh, their shepherd by by the shepherd's voice and they'll um, stay away from a stranger um, which, yeah, to me, it reminds me a lot about the gift of the of discernment that we get from the Holy Spirit. Um, but it was interesting to me because immediately afterwards in verse 6, it's contrasted by uh, the Pharisees not understanding what Jesus was mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. And even after he explains it, um, they most of them like, chalk it up to the ravings of a madman. It's hmm. a good observation. Yeah. I think it's important also to discern, you know, if, just like the, you know, what I was saying before about, like, if people, everyone's behind a wall, and I can hear a voice, I can say, that's Yana, because I know Yana, that's her voice. But what if, what if everybody had a, a voice disguiser, and everybody had, like, one of those things that make you sound like a robot, like, the, it's muffled, it's disguised, if everybody sounded exactly the same, could you still distinguish people? I think so. I think there's still some determining factors. I might hear, you know, for instance, Yana will call me a different name than what everybody else will call me. She'll call me Babe or whatever else, you know. If that person is talking to me, um, you know, I can know just from that alone that that's Yana. Or if, you know, or even just in the way that she speaks, I might hear, you know, Little things that I know that Yana does. Bye. You know, Bye. Exactly. <laughs> or the choice of words. Yeah, like choice that. of words. Like shimmy, shimmy. You know, I don't have to see her. I don't have to even be able to distinguish just that audible tone. But it's in the words that she says. It's how she says it. It's sometimes the words that she says. You know, where if I hear, you know, um... Again, everyone behind a wall or a curtain, and I can't see everyone. Everyone's got a voice disguise. Or if I hear, um, ah. Ah, <laughs> then I'm gonna know that's Caitlin. If I hear, um, I don't know what else. Uh, doit, doit. No, no, doit, doit. no. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna know that's Zach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or laugh. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but all those things, you know, if and and with that, you know, we can't see God. We don't see Him face to face. You know, so when, when we have all these voices from the outside speaking to us, you know, whether it be in music, whether it be in the news, whether it be in what we see on social media, whether it be while we're praying, while we're reading the Bible, you know, sometimes we get distracted, sometimes we 
You know, we might just be sitting quietly and we hear something speak to us or we're driving and, and a thought comes in our head, we're at work and something pops into our head. You're going to ask, is that God? Would God say this? Has God said this? Has God said this before? You know, if I hear, if, if I hear a voice come into my head, because I don't know what God audibly sounds like. I've never heard God other than what we hear portrayed on movies and TVs, you know, that deep Morgan Freeman voice, you know. <laughs> Besides that, I don't, I can't tell you what God audibly sounds like. I think we also, um, sorry. No, it's fine. But, um, um, well, let me just finish this Okay, thought. go ahead. But if I hear a voice say, you know, if I see somebody hurting and I hear a voice say, nah, don't worry about it, and it's okay, you're running late, that doesn't sound like God. I've never heard God, but... I've heard him tell stories of, you know, the Good Samaritan, of the person who will stop and go out of his way for someone who is societal's enemy, but help them up, you know. But if the person says, help them, well, that sure sounds like God to me. And another example, if, you know, you're just walking by and, um, you know, and you see like, oh, I could, I could take that and no one would ever notice. No one would even miss it. I could save myself a few bucks, whatever. I guess I'll just pick this up, take it. No one's going to miss it. I think it's all right. You know, I, I never heard God say anything like that. That sounds like stealing also. It goes against God's word. But, you know, God is honest. God's saying, you know, give to Caesar what's Caesar, you know, in terms of the money when they're trying to trick him. You know, like, God's saying, like, money isn't an important thing. You know, don't turn my, my house into a den of thieves and a, a place in a marketplace. Um... So I think, you know, what we hear, we can distinguish if that's God or not, just based off of, has God said this somewhere before? You know, and if we hear a pastor say, God says, just pray this prayer and you're good. You just live the, the life that you want to live. As long as you've said these magic words and you end it with, in Jesus' name, amen, then you're golden and you'll be in heaven forever. I can look back in the Bible and say, has God said that? Let me check if God has said that. Because if this other shepherd is saying that, this other pastor is saying that, let me, let me let me check it against God's word here. Let me do a little fact check here. No, God doesn't say that. In fact, God says, no, don't sin because it means more grace. In fact, it should be the other way around. Don't sin. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, in some like cases as well, if you're like presented with a decision and you were like, I don't know what to do, like what is God calling me to do? Um, I think the enemy's voice comes with like confusion and doubt and like conviction, but you're not really sure if it's conviction or not. But like God is really good at giving, if you come to him and if you seek him, he can give you that green light or that yellow light or that red light. And he'll, he'll give you that light. He'll be like, yeah, like this is good, go. This is what I want you to do. Or he'll be like, just slow down and wait, wait for me, hold on. Or he'll be like, no, you're not doing that, don't do that. But like with the enemy's voice, it'll come, it won't come with that green light of like, yes, this is it. Or that red light of like, no, this is not it. He's like, do you, should you do this? Like, this sounds kind of good. You, you think you would like this? And it's like, I don't know if I should do this, I don't know. But God can give you that like, that firm yes, that firm no, if you like seek him out. And sometimes he doesn't give you that firm yes or no, but you still have like, his spirit will help you feel that peace with the choice or like, or it's just not like, you know, sometimes I just think that, you know, with God's voice, you know, God's voice, but you have to be able to discern the enemy's voice as well. Like, 
what comes from his voice like is it confusion are you scared is it fear are you anxious and so I think that's important to think about as well like what 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 is the spirit making you feel right now from that voice that you're hearing you know yeah Yeah, and like just to hear your tone like in that really kind of helped me get a sense of what you were saying it's like when you hear the enemy talking to you like the enemy always comes with like manipulation and Mm -hmm. temptation to try and get you to sin, to try and get you away from God. God yeah. is always going to like lead you into things that lead you to Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a really cool parallel to this whole chapter in Ezekiel. I'm just going to read part of it. Um, Ezekiel 34. If you wanted to go back and, and read this later, uh, later time, or if you're listening right now, you can pause it and read it. Uh, but Ezekiel 34 um, is titled The Shepherds of Israel and then also The Good Shepherd as a little bit farther down as another subtitle. I'm just going to read part of, it, of Ezekiel 34. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk. You wear the wool and butcher the best animals, but you let your flock starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. And it goes on talking about, you know, this is what the Lord says, you abandon my flock, you let them be attacked. Um, then it goes into the Good Shepherd. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be a shepherd looking for a scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the people and nations. And it keeps going on. It's really good. Um, and then the Lord's Covenant of Peace Really good, and it's, it's a pretty short chapter, uh, but Ezekiel 34, if you, anybody wants to go back and read that, really great parallel to um, what Jesus is saying here. So you can kind of see that Old Testament, New Testament connection, saying the same thing, which is really cool, because this is hundreds of years, maybe even over a thousand years difference of timing, and you have the Lord being called the Good Shepherd, God being called the Good Shepherd here, um, and then you know all this time later, Jesus saying the same thing again. Um, what Ezekiel the prophet had spoke. So really cool, that's Ezekiel 34, if you want to read that later. Alright, really good stuff. Um, Let's move on to the second part of John 10, uh, 22 through 42. Does somebody want to take half of that and read verses 22 through uh, 32? I will. Go for it. When I get there. (laughs) John 10, verse 22. Thank you. Uh, They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear... Hold on. Are you first, John? Oh, I'm in Acts. Girl, what am I doing? I'm out of here. (laughs) Um, Thank you, guys. Let me just keep reading. Thank you for calling me out on that. Translation. All right. John 10, verse 22. Okay, thanks. Jesus claims to be the Son of God. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. 
He was in the temple, walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? Awesome. So I'm going to pick it up from there, verse 33 to the end of John 10. I'll take it. They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the Son of God? I'm going to pause here. There is a difference between what he's saying here. God was not calling people a God, capital G, but lowercase g, gods as judges and people who can have authority over other people. Mm. Um, picking up from uh, back to verse 36. Uh, actually, part 35. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say that I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of his miracles, of the believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Once again they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. And many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. What do we see going on here in this second part of John? The verse I was talking about was in the second part. That's that? kind of cool. John 10:38. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I've done, even if you don't believe me, mm -hmm. then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am the Father. Yeah. What else? Anybody else remember from, you know, all this time we've been reading John together, how many times Jesus has said who he is? I believe it was like John 7, 8, 9, and probably more than that. You know, he, he keeps saying who he is. He keeps telling them. And they keep asking. You know, at one point he's even like, they're like, who are you? He's like, I'm the Messiah. And then they're like, yeah, but who are you? He's like, I am who I said I am. And they're like, but who are you? He's like, I am. 
And he says it so many times. And here they are asking in verse 24, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus is like, I've already told you, and you don't believe me. So I found this um, really cool uh, I don't know, record. Not, not, a, not an all-extensive record, but this little uh, thing here. I'm going to read all this to you. I told you, I'm the one who came from heaven. John 3.13 and John 6.38. I told you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. John 3.16. I told you, I am the unique son of God. John 5.19-23. I told you, I will judge all humanity. John 5, no, same thing, 19-23. I told you, all should honor me just as, as they honor God the Father. I told you the Hebrew scriptures all speak of me. I told you I perfectly reveal God the Father. I told you I always please God and never sin. I told you I am uniquely sent from God. I told you before Abraham was, I am. I told you I am the son of man, prophesied by Daniel. I told you I will raise myself from the dead. I told you I am the bread of life. I told you I am the light of the world. I told you I am the door. I told you I am the good shepherd. And they're asking, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us who you are. He's like, I have. I've told you a lot. You don't listen. What do you guys think about that? I think it just like shows like obviously he's also talked about like all of the good works and miraculous signs that he's already done and it just kind of shows like how lost the people were and how ignorant and oblivious they were to what was going on to whose presence they were really in you know how like they succumbed to the distractions around them yeah um this reminded me of so i'm reading um, the book of Exodus right now and it's mm -hmm. in the part where um, God keeps like hardening Pharaoh's heart and sending all the plagues and all that stuff um, so so it's like the same thing of like mm -hmm. Jesus telling them over and over again like hey this is who I am and their hearts continue to be hardened and no matter how bad the plagues are and how bad um, all of Pharaoh's like stuff has been destroyed because of the hail that God sent and the locusts he sent and oh my gosh so many other things um like he just won't uh give in and he won't believe that you know God is Moses and Aaron's like God and for him to let his people go um so I thought uh, that's cool to like remember that and it's so true like no matter sometimes no matter how much we tell other people about Jesus whether it's through our testimony or um you know even using God's word like it won't come back like empty like of course something will be done because God you know plants helps us to plant those seeds but like sometimes people just simply choose like I don't I don't want this 
I just don't want it. I don't want to believe it. I don't want to take this step of faith. I, I just want to keep living the way I'm living and hope for the best type of attitude. Um, yeah. 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 That's exactly it. You know, the problem wasn't Jesus being unclear about who he was or where he came from. The problem was that the religious leaders had hearts of unbelief, and they just wanted someone to, you know, say, "Hey, you're a false prophet. Let's get him out of here. He's blaspheming." Um, and yeah, their their hearts were just hardened, and they were full of unbelief. And then I think about if if just one of them were to take Nicodemus. If just one of them were to turn to God, to take a step, to say, okay, you know, who, you've said all these things, I'm, I'm going to ask more questions. If, if their heart was, if just one's heart was postured towards God and not against, how great is that testimony in comparison to all of the people that are looking up to them as a religious leader? All the people, you know, I like that it just gives it's sad but it also gives me hope because Jesus is slash God's reaction to that one would be open arms would be yes welcome all of this that he is like black putting them on blast and poking them and prodding them to try and get them to see who he is if just one were to turn around and say okay God like I'm gonna take you for who you are Jesus is immediate reaction to that person is welcome into the sheepfold right i am your savior i am the gate you've chosen to believe like that that's his response it's not condemnation it's not it took you long enough it's not like wow you know you made it or your eyes are open it's it's just i love you you know i i am your savior welcome now you know join this long journey that's going to be completely bonkers for the rest of your life. Like, it's not, and I think for me, like, I think it's easy to forget that that attitude of, like, gentleness and hum humility when people do come to Christ after not walking with Him for however long and having that attitude versus being like, told you so and here's all the things that you you know missed out on because you were off doing this that and the other like it's easy to think that way it's so easy to think that way as a believer but that's not God's way and so I think it's just super interesting um and it, like the verses where he says like for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else no one can snatch them from the father's hands the father and I are one like, once that person turns to the Father, there is nothing that can take them from the Father's hands. Same for each person in this room. Like, that is the privilege we have as believers in Christ. That's what we should be talking about when we talk, tell people about Christ. Like, there is someone who's going to love you better than anybody else in a way that no one else can. Mm. And he is available and waiting for you. Like, that is the message. That is Jesus. Like, like without judgment, it's just wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, oh, I had two thoughts. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I was just deciding which one to say first. Um, I want. I'm gonna read 
the very last part of John 9, right before <coughs> what we were just reading. Um, no, so John 9 was the uh, Jesus healing the blind man, and then all of that happening, and they're asking who did this. And then Jesus talks about spiritual blindness, and that leads them to hear about the good sheep. So I just want to read part of that as a refresher, and to see, because this is all one continual thing, you know, it's not like, boom, the end, and now, oh, John 10, there's a whole new thing going on here. So I want to read uh, part of this. Um, I'm just going to read from John 9, verse 40. Just the last two verses. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? Jesus said, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And I think that, that ties in well with here because you know they're they're asking Jesus, like, who are you? Why aren't you telling us who you are? Why why are you, you know, taking so long to tell us? And you know, the hearts are hardened. They're they're also blinded, they're spiritually blinded. You know, and they're claiming that they can see, to tie in with John 9. They're, they're claiming they can see, saying that, like, no, we know you're, you're blaspheming. You're just a man. And, but they're just, they're just spiritually blinded. And that's why, you know, they're kind of, they're guilty. Because they claim they see, they claim they know what's going on. They claim they know who he is, and they know what's going on, but they don't. My other thought is... You know, we look at this as like, wow, like these people just aren't getting it. And, you know, like this list is like, wow, like Jesus told them so many times, like who he is, like, you know, sometimes in parables, sometimes just very clearly, like, I am, I am, I am the Messiah. I am the good shepherd. And, you know, they just don't get it. But I think, how many times have we seen, you know, maybe a list this extensive too, or heard this from God, and we ask, you know, not maybe, not maybe not, who are you, God, but, God, what should I do? And it's like, love God, love people. God, what should I do? Love God, love people. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, tell me what to do. I wish you would just speak to me. Love God, love people. God, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with this situation, and this person is doing this, and this person is telling me to do this, and... I'm caught between doing that and doing this. I just really don't know what to do. I wish you would just tell me what to do. Love God, love people. And, you know, the, all the, all the um, Ten Commandments, it all boils down to loving God, loving people. Love God above all else. Don't worship other gods. Just love God. And if you love people... Well, then the rest of that comes into play. You're not going to murder them. You're not going to steal from them. All these other things. And, you know, of, of all the things, they say love is the most important. What is it? Faith, hope, and love. And of the most love, you know, love is the, the most important. And if you need to sum up the entire Bible in four words, I would sum it up to love God, love people. Because that's really all it boils down to. And in that order, love God, love people. And, you know, I think maybe it's something else for, for some of you of like, you know, maybe God has, has spoken something before and, you know, you keep asking things certain ways or um, asking, you know, in different, in different situations, God, now this has happened. What should I do? And, 
how, how can I help this person? Or I don't know what to do with this situation. This is just stupid. This has been going on for so long. I don't know what to do. Love God, love people. The rest will, will play out from there. The rest will fall. Because God says, you know, if you seek my kingdom first above all else, the rest will be given to you. Any final thoughts from anything in John 10? Anything at all? Um, you saying love God, love people reminded me of a, a not just a saying, but something that like the church I went to in D.C., they really lived by it, was that Jesus is the, Jesus is the point and people are the prize. Um, and I really love that. Like They would always preach you know Jesus and would always reach out to people um, in different ways and they're all about like you know community and making sure that people are being built up and not being put down mm -hmm. um, yeah really cool yeah. yeah that really reminds me of like um, you know the verse of something like you we have these we have this treasure in jars of clay like our reward is to be able to pour out onto others and to love them, show them who Jesus is, show them the good news, glorify Him. Yeah. Anything yeah. else? Final thoughts? Verse forty-two. I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go. Uh huh. Aren't we saying Caitlin told it? Oh, sorry. And in that, and in that place, many people believe, or many believed in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So they, they have a choice. And actually, we've seen this several times throughout, you know, in I feel like the past few chapters, that's, I feel like, at the end, several times, you know, when, um, you know, from the woman who was caught in adultery, and then they're trying to set him up, you know, many believed, some believed, and we see, we see that several times, and then with the, the blind man, you know, people believed in Jesus, based off of who he said he was, based off of what he did, um, and in the same time, we see some believed, mm -hmm. some did not believe. And it's a choice every time. Mm -hmm. And like in verse 19, when it says, um, the Jews who had heard these words were again divided, and some were saying, like, he's demon-possessed, and others are saying, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Right. Like, that is good news, that there was division. Like, you, Jesus came to divide. You mm -hmm. know, he came to change people's hearts, and, <clears throat> and ultimately their... their um, destiny and that's good news like you want you want to walk into a room and make it divided you know well you would like everybody to be on the same page <laughs> but like if if you walk in a room and make it divided that's good too like you know you're doing the yeah. same thing jesus did he came to divide and that's good yeah it doesn't sound good but there are bad divisions <laughs> for, yeah, for I mean, if everyone is dead mm -hmm. and some are raised to life right. then that's good news but if everyone's dead and they all stay dead because they choose to yeah. you know that's that's not fortunate it's you know their choice yeah that's good that's a that's a good point to not leave out verse 42 of, of being pointed out of yeah many who were there believed in Jesus not all not some many so a lot of people came to, to know God came to know Jesus there if all believed, our whole mission, would, like the Great Commission, wouldn't mean anything. Like we are 
here because God put us here to make disciples. That's our whole. That's what our whole life should point back to is the cross and bringing others to it. So we just have more work to do. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff, guys. Good discussion. Well, I'm going to uh, close this out in prayer, and then uh, we'll pray over Emma before uh, this is her last Monday night here in person. Um, hopefully not ever, but for a while, I think. Um, but maybe when you come to visit or you ever come back up here, of course, you're always welcome. Um, so cool. I'll uh, close this out, and then we'll pray over Emma. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for everybody who could make it here in person and everybody who's listening online right now. I know that every single ear who is listening should be able to hear from you today. Uh, I pray that you touch everybody's heart uh, because you are a God so powerful that you can still be touching hearts through a podcast on Spotify um, and also to each sheep in your sheepfold um, it's every person in this room right now that you touch hearts, um, that you are just as alive and moving today on uh, May 23rd, 2022, as you were over 2,000 years ago uh, when you were speaking these words. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a living word that's um, always speaking to us. It's, it's changing to our situations where we're at, uh, but that your word doesn't change that it meets us where we're at instead. So God, we thank you for this evening. I just pray for blessings and safety over everybody. And yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool, good stuff. Uh, well, we will uh, stay here for a little bit. And if you would like to keep listening on the podcast, keep <coughs> listening. Otherwise, we're going to pray over Emma. Uh, do you want to briefly... Tell us all what you're up to, where you're going. Um, yeah, so Friday morning at the butt crack of dawn, as my mom has been saying. Um, I'm driving down to Fort Myers, Florida. I'm going to be starting an internship with um, a Christian agriculture development organization. Um, so, you know, um, an organization that really uses gospel principles to help um work on alleviating poverty in rural areas, like agricultural communities around the globe. Um, So I'm really excited to be working with them and um, just excited to be living and working with a a diverse Christian community. Um, So that, I will be there for at least a year. Um, But yeah, hopefully I'll be back to, when I come back to visit over the holidays, I'll be able to come back. Awesome. Super exciting. Cool. Well, you can stay there or you can come into the middle and we'll all pray over you. Feel free, anybody can jump in and start. God, thank you so much, Lord, for Emma's life and how wonderful and beautiful that you. Um, have made her and God thank you for her heart to serve you um, and to uh, have the desire to get into this um, organization that is so unique um, and that gets to do different things um, that I have never heard of (laughs) can't wait to hear more about it and all her experiences there Um, God I pray that you provide for her um, all the financial needs 
and um, provide shelter um, and that people surround her um, speak life into her helps her with anything um, and if there's ever days that she may not be feeling too good like under the weather or whatever that you have people there to take care of her as well um, and provide everything she needs a car um, not sure if she's gonna be driving a lot there but um, that you provide God um, and that you use her life for your glory um, and that she gets to learn a lot from you there um, about herself as well and gets to grow um, with other believers um, and that she really tunes in um, to hear your voice um, every single day and um, that if you ask her to step out of her comfort zone that she has no fear she goes and just believes that you got her back um, and that you lead her her path um, and her footsteps there um, yeah and bless all the leaders that will be um, being in contact with her and letting her know what to do and all the things she's going to be learning there in Jesus name Jesus thank you for Emma thank you for all that she's done here and the great connection she's built with everyone here Lord, I just pray that as she goes into Florida to work for your name, Lord, I just pray that you would transform her heart and mind for her good and your glory, God. I pray that she would be able to shine her light um, into the community around her. I pray that the others that she works with would be supportive and loving. Um, and I pray, God, that she would find herself um, just right where you need her to be, Jesus. I just pray that she would have peace as she faces all of the different um, trials that she might find there, Jesus. I pray that you would be with her and that she would feel your presence, that she would help to establish that in others, Lord. Um, and ultimately, God, that you would just watch over her and keep her safe. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God, we thank you for Emma's life and for who you made her to be and for being able to be part of this group. And it's not that she's no longer part of this group, um, just that she's a little farther away. Um, but Lord, we just pray for safe travels and that uh, you just make a way for everything um, so that everything um, be smooth transition with uh, physically moving down there, with uh, moving into a new place and um, getting connected to a community down there. Uh, yeah, we just ask that you use her for your glory and for your will. Uh, she's dedicating herself to go down there for, for your mission, for your glory, for your kingdom. Um, that she's able to use the relationship that she already has built with you and just to grow stronger and stronger every day. And in the agriculture, there's so many parables that you spoke of um, that we see in the Bible speaking to farmers. And just so cool to, to be able to to be planting seeds, as Jesus is speaking about, planting seeds in good soil, and to be able to look at what makes this soil good, what makes this nutrient dense, I mean, all these things, and be able to apply that to, um, to uh, just godly principles, to principles that, that you talk about, about not planting it on rocky soil, but about in this good, rich, nutrient soil that's going to feed the soul, that's going to produce more fruit, uh, about pruning, cutting off the things that aren't producing fruit like it's designed to be. Um, it's all of these things. There are so many parables that you speak of that are all relevant still in, in this day, in 2022. Um, just ask that you just 
sparked that and that the um, agricultural uh, industry is going to be able to um, have a new root system um, starting with Emma and her group down there just to be able to, to infiltrate it and um, just to keep spreading from there from people in and around her group um, God we just pray for each of them to get to know you better and better every day and uh, for, for them to each go out from wherever they're coming from um, to be able to cons continue spreading your word um, to spread your truth and your light um, just in this this world that we're in and uh, yeah to bring more people to get to know you Father God, we just thank you for Emma and for the light and the fun that she's been to this group, but also the depth that she brings um, and the wisdom that she has. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to grow that wisdom, um, Lord, and, and that she would grow in wisdom and discernment and clarity for this next season and, and the things that you want to accomplish. God, help her um, determine what is urgent, but not necessarily important, and what is important, but not urgent, God, and that she can prioritize her life and her goals based off of those things, God, and what your will is and what, what you want her to accomplish, Lord. We just pray that that relationship continues to grow and deepen, Lord, as you planted your, your Holy Spirit even deeper in her life, Lord Jesus, and these gifts that she, that she has, Lord. We just pray that that would continue to be a blessing on Emma, God, and that it would not it would not be something that feels overwhelming, Lord Jesus, but that you would just um, give her such peace as she dives into what those gifts really are and, and really seeks to use them um, in, in really beautiful and glorifying ways for you, God. We pray, um, we pray peace for her heart and comfort for her heart and her mind, God, that you would put it as a guard over her mind and her heart, Jesus, as, um, you know, moving far away from home, even... It comes with homesickness. It comes with, um, you know, a craving for things that are familiar. And, and we just pray that, um, you know, if she does fall into homesickness or um, feelings of loneliness or anything like that, God, that you would be right there um, to comfort her and to lift those feelings off, lift those burdens off, Jesus, um, and just fill her with, with all of the goodness of you, God, that she would be able to cling to that and stand on firm ground. Um, because you're standing right beside her, God. You're the good shepherd leader, leading her into everything that um, that you have for her in this new season, God. That she would walk with such boldness and confident assurance of your, your goodness and your plans for her, God. Um, and that there would be um, just something different that even when she does come to visit, Lord, um, praying that she does, and that that blessing is, is there for her, God, that we would even know... Um, that your relationship with her has just been so much more enriched and so much more um, just emboldened because of the time that she spends down there, God, that it would be a noticeable light that each person that comes into contact with Emma would see your face and see your light and see your joy um, because that's what she has the pleasure of bringing God even now. So make it, make it so much more, Jesus. We just ask for more um, for Emma in this new season that you would be with her and her family that you would just do amazing things, do your amazing work, Jesus, because you're in the business of being amazing. Um, and we are so excited. God, we're so excited for her. In your name we pray. Amen. God, we just thank you for Emma, and we thank you for her obedience that she has towards you to just 
show up and say yes to where you're calling her to be. God, we just pray over her travels that she can um, get there safely and um, that there's just peace in this transition and that she understands and knows that whatever trials may come up, um, that it just creates perseverance and that she will um, only get stronger through it. God, I just pray over this mission that you have her on, that um, like, I, like I prayed, that, that there's just peace over it, that there's just wisdom through it, and um, not only that she can put wisdom in, but gain wisdom from. God, I just thank you that you have been faithful to her and that um, that that you are just guiding her with with uh, your hand, God. I just I just pray that you continue to uh, show her where she needs to go, that you would just continue to be the lamp on her feet to light up her path and um, just be able to take that next step that you're calling her to take and that she would have comfort in that and peace in that. God, we thank you for Emma again. And we just pray that um, we can see her again soon and hear all about what you have for her and um, what you're doing in her life continuously. And it's in your name that we pray. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you've enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.